0: It is great to be here this morning. It's a beautiful, sunny day. We got that going for us. Uh, Welcome to everybody joining us online. We're so glad you're here. Um, We are in the middle of a series called Family Feelings. And uh, it's been really helpful for me. I've been practicing some of the things I've been hearing. So I hope that you have been too. I want to start out by just reminding you of a few things. Did you know that 96% of the human body is made up of four basic elements? It's true. They are oxygen, 65%, carbon, 18.5%, hydrogen, 9.5%, nitrogen, 3.3%. These elements are found in our body's most common and important molecules. God arranged our bodies really carefully with these very specific ratios so that we can thrive as human beings. What if we could look inside our bodies... And we could discern our feelings pie chart. You know, what percentage of what feeling do you have going on inside of you right now? What kind of uh, percentage is going on in your family? So let's see, Carla Chestnut, feelings pie graph right now is probably like 65% thankful, maybe 18.5% eager and uh, 9.5% curious, and maybe 3.3% pensive. What about you? What are your ratios right now? What about your kids? What's going on inside of you in terms of feelings? So we kicked off this new year with a family feeling series because all of us have two things in common, right? All of us came from a family of some shape, sort, size, we all came from a feeling, and we, from a family, and we all have emotions. We have feelings. And we know a few things are true. None of us come through our family life emotionally unscathed. Not a single family. None of the families in the Bible came through their family life emotionally unscathed. I mean, there is uh, murder, adultery, incest, bribery, rampant favoritism in Bible families. It's like the Bible sometimes in families is HBO Max on steroids. It gets real in there. And every family has their own unique style and slightly dysfunctional way of processing emotions. It's just true. We all want our families to thrive. If you're in the room this morning, chances are your family and your family's health and your family's thriving is one of your top priorities. But the feeling aspect of family life is really tough. And we know, we hear you, it's important for the church to talk about tough things. So today, we're gonna focus on family and the feeling of sadness. So disclaimer, if the teaching team was picking an expert on family and the feeling of sadness, they would not pick me. I might be the last person that they pick. Um, I have built my life on this axiom. It's better to think than to feel. I love learning. I love intellect. I have a harder time connecting what I know with my heart. And I trust intellect to get me through life. And I know I'm not alone. Some of you are exactly the same way. And then the person sitting next to you has to live with you, right? I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people think it's better to think than to feel. So I used to be a feeler. But the switch came when I was about 18 years old, and I was about to become a young, single parent. And at that moment, I think I began saying to myself, this isn't about how you feel anymore you need to figure this out you can figure this out you can give this baby a good life you need to figure this out and then when nick was born with significant physical and intellectual disability i just doubled down on this it's better to think than to feel and then 25 years later, I was talking with my daughter about emotions in our family. And we were on the phone, and she said, finally, she said, Well, Mom, of course we don't understand why they feel that way. We're emotional robots. <laughs> okay, I said, Excuse me? What did you just say? And she said, Mom, we are both emotional robots. Oh, it was a, it was a gut punch. I groaned and I said, Ellie, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she said, for what? I love being an emotional robot. (laughs) It's way easier. She said, it's way easier to think than it is to feel, to be a feeler. No one comes through family life emotionally unscathed. No one. We're all going to do some damage to our kids where feelings are concerned. And that's why we need a series on family feelings. So in an attempt to provide stability and safety and a good life for my family, just like what you want for yours, I feel failed to realize the importance of feelings like sadness. It seemed reasonable to me to think my way through parenting. But, We are emotional beings. God created us with this wide range of feelings. Jesus himself, fully God, fully human, experienced the entire range of human emotions. But unlike us, he was able to recognize the emotions and respond to them without sin and with grace. And that's our model. Jesus felt and experienced sadness, so we can too. So, when Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, died, he decided Jesus wanted to demonstrate his power over death. So instead of going immediately to heal Lazarus, he waited until Lazarus died. Even though Jesus knew that in just a few minutes, he would raise Lazarus from the dead. When he saw the grief, when he saw the sadness of Lazarus's family and friends, he cried. He wept. Jesus felt their sadness and cried with his friends. Here it is in John 11. When Jesus saw her weeping, that's Lazarus' sister, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping because Lazarus had died, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Jesus wept. Jesus was moved by the sadness of his friends. Jesus was the greatest thinker of all time. He felt sad, and he understood the importance of being with people in their sadness. It's really important. So it's obvious, right? It's not better to think than to feel. We can do both. We can think and feel. And that's fantastic. We don't have to pick either feelings or intellect. Who knew? You guys already know, I know, I'm just catching up. So the good news for all of us who love to think is we can learn about emotions. See how I'm doing that? Uh, what we, when we have a better understanding of our feelings, we can learn to recognize. We can recognize the feelings. We can name them in ourselves and maybe the people around us or at least pay attention to them and we can recognize and welcome our feelings. We can invite them in and we can actually learn how to be a better feeler. So here's a really great tool for you. It's called the Feelings Wheel. This comes out of our kids' ministry. I know you probably can't read it, but there's all kinds of, like we usually think about happy, surprised, scared, mad, disgusted, sad, like those are the basics. And maybe we have a few more like proud or joyful or weak or aggressive or frustrated. But look at how many uh, flavors and layers of emotions there are in the world. We just need to expand our vocabulary a little bit. I want to focus in here on sadness for a minute. Look at, look at all the layers of sadness from lonely and hurt to left out and forgotten, ashamed, powerless, grief. We have a lot to learn as we try to become people who recognize and acknowledge and name our emotions. And when we do that, it can help our emotions not get the best of us. Because that's what we're really afraid of, right? If we can learn to have a bigger vocabulary about how we're feeling, it can help us to pay more attention to what's going on inside of us. And it can help us to be more honest. It can help us to remember that it's not better to think than to feel. So here's another belief that gets in the way of acknowledging and recognizing emotions like sadness for me, and it's this. I think in the core of me, I think that sadness is just a luxury I can't afford. Like, nobody got time for that, to be sad. It's scary to recognize and welcome sadness into my heart for me, and into my mind, even for an hour or two. My fear is that I will turn into a quivering ball of sadness jelly, (laughs) and I won't be able to get out of my bed, that I'll just be a mush ball. And I fear that this world is not a safe place for people who give in, sometimes, to the feeling of sadness. And I know this is messed up, okay? So, I'm wondering, if you have ever seen the movie Inside Out, It is a fantastic movie. No matter what age you are, go home, watch it with someone. It will really help you have some good conversations about feelings. So in the movie, there's a scene that perfectly illustrates what I do with sadness, okay? So there's this character named Joy. The movie's all kind of inside this little girl's head, and her emotions are controlling her life. And this character Joy turns to the character Sadness, who is right here, and she says, Sadness. I have a really important job for you. This is the sadness circle. And your job, sadness, is to keep all the sadness inside the sadness circle. That's pretty much what I have done with sadness. So what's the problem with confining sadness to the sadness circle? What's wrong with my idea? that sadness is a luxury I can't afford? Well, we all know, right? We can't afford not to pay attention to sadness. It's just the truth. I can't afford not to give sadness attention. There's a thousand reasons why. When I don't make room for sadness by recognizing it and sitting with it for a few minutes, I usually end up doing unhealthy things like eating five pieces of toast in the morning instead of pausing with my sadness. If we keep these feelings on lockdown, and Eric talked about this last week, if we keep feelings on lockdown long enough, they come out not just unhealthy, like eating too many carbs, but they come out in devastating, destructive ways. God gave us feelings for a reason. Jesus knew this, and he modeled it for us, how to give feelings of sadness, attention, and time that they need. So let's just talk about a few of the reasons we need to give sadness attention. The most obvious, I think, is there's a lot to be sad about. Each of our own lives has its own personal sadness. I don't need to tell you that. Death of loved ones, illness and injury, broken relationships, disrupted hopes and dreams. And then there's the sadness that we all share over the injustice and the suffering in the world. And we could name, we could make a whole list of the injustice and the suffering in the world that should prompt sorrow in our souls. I'm just going to name one. One is our inability to find humane solutions to our country's immigration problem. That's something that we should feel sorrow over, sadness. It's delusional not to have feelings of sadness over the brokenness in our world. It's reasonable and rational in the world we live in to feel sad sometimes. But it's also important to feel our sadness for other reasons. So make the shift here with me. Feeling sadness can amplify joy. It's a little like us experiencing this really, really cold winter that we're in the middle of right now, the deep cold. It's what makes the warm breezes, remember those? And the green spring, the green fields, like when everything turns green in the spring, it's what makes those so much better. Our winters make our summers so much sweeter. Recognizing our sadness and inviting it in getting curious about it, can make our experiences of joy so much richer. Experiencing our own sadness can help us love, connect, and have compassion for other people in their difficulties, in their sorrow, in their sadness. Joy actually comes from deep connection with others. The Bible's full of actual commands to rejoice, to be joyful. And I think it's really connected to our ability to experience our sadness. If it becomes so uncomfortable for me to sit with a weeping friend or a grieving relative, I lose a lot. I can't afford to be that kind of human being. So, how do we take those first steps to paying attention to sadness, especially if it's difficult for you? I think the first thing is just figure out what makes you sad. Is it a divorce, yours or your parents? A terrifying health diagnosis? A grown child rejecting you? Or maybe it's you that have been rejected by your family just because of who you are. Maybe you've suffered a like season-ending sports injury, and you never just let yourself be sad about that or you miss your mom, or your dad, or your friend. Or sometimes you just feel sad for no reason at all. Once you figure out where you have feelings of sadness, let those feelings out of the circle, right? Let them out of that circle of sadness and invite them in for a little bit into your mind, into your heart, even into your body. There's so much science right now about connecting our emotions to how we're feeling in our body. While I was preparing for this teaching, I practiced inviting sadness into my heart and my mind and my body, just for short periods of time. And it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. So I think you can do it too. I was reading about what this looks like to invite sadness in for a little while, and Aaron Lieba, a mental health coach, wrote this. I love this. If you actually took a sick day to be sick, what would you do? You'd lay around and watch Netflix in your pajamas, you'd drink tea, you'd maybe eat uh, chicken soup. You wouldn't be half working from home, organizing closets or doing your taxes. Similarly, if you were to, take a, to be sad, to invite sadness in for just a second or an hour, what would you actually do? What would you be doing? What song or music would you listen to? What would your body be doing? What would it look like to give that sadness some expression? You might cry or paint or draw or sculpt or write it out all out in a journal or a poem. That really helps a lot of people feel their sadness to journal or to write poetry. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations and many of the Psalms that are simply poems that people are writing out their feelings. If you invited sadness in for a second or an hour, what would you be saying to yourself? What would you be saying to God? What would it look like to talk with God about your sadness? Those are big questions. You can trust God with your sadness. Remember what Jesus did with his friends when they were sad? He cried right along with them. Jesus is God, and he will do the same with you. So, when you invite your sadness in for 10 minutes or an hour, sadness can be your teacher. I need the experience. Of feeling sad. I'm just really, really learning this right now. I need the experience of feeling sad in order to sit with the people I love as they experience sadness. It's a prerequisite for being with others in their sadness. And we want our families to be safe places where they can f- experience sadness with no shame. We all, I think we all want that. To experience sadness with a kind person who is willing to simply sit down next to us and feel sad alongside us. That's what Jesus did with his friends. Okay, one more thing about the feeling of sadness. When I was raising our kids, it was confusing. And you guys might be thinking, like, this woman needs to see a counselor (laughs) right now. And I assure you, I have. (laughs) And uh, it would be really helpful for any person, any stage of life, to see a counselor, because one thing that can happen is you can, a counselor can help you discern, do you, some people have clinical depression that requires more care and more extended care, or that counselor could help you figure out if these are just normal feelings that everyone feels. Eric said everybody feels anger and has anger inside them. Well, that's true about sadness as well. So I really encourage you to see a counselor. If you don't know where to start, we can help you with the list. You can email me, and I'll help you find some good counselors. All right. So uh, when I was raising our kids, Sean and I were raising our kids, it was confusing sometimes to discern when sadness in them was like a teachable moment and when it wasn't, right, when they just needed us to be with them in their sadness. And... uh, when I needed to just like keep my mouth closed and when there was something to be taught. So this is the last point I have that sadness is a teachable moment sometimes. Uh, When I asked my most feeling, so a feeler grown up kid of mine, how could your dad and I have been better parents when you were sad? This is what she said. Her answer was focus on listening, not lecturing or even learning. Don't try to fix it and don't ask more questions then you need to ask. She said, uh, focus on listening, not lecturing or even learning, don't try to fix it, and don't ask more than you need to ask. Our kids, our partners, our friends need us to sit with them in their emotions and just listen, just be there for them. And this is where we can teach and lead a little bit. We can help them identify the feeling and acknowledge the feeling. And this is where that emotions wheel could really help you. So it's actually the emotions wheel that I showed earlier is in the QR code. And uh, same for if you're at home and you text the number for the um, information on the QR code, so you have access to that. And uh, go easy here, though, with the emotions wheel. If you're like me, I would be like, hey, 17-year-old daughter, I have this emotions wheel. And we've never talked about emotions before. You want to talk about emotions? And she would probably be like, No, I don't. (laughs) So go easy with this, right? Maybe lay it on the counter for a little bit, but make sure your kids know that uh, you're willing to be present with them in their sadness. When we do that, we teach them that it's okay to feel. And feelings are not a problem to be solved. We teach them that we love them, no matter how they feel or what they do. And when we encourage them, if you can get to that place where you can encourage them to share how they're feeling with God, we teach them something so important. We teach them that God loves them and he's interested in their feelings and that they're fully accepted no matter how they feel or what they do. This is essential work for parents to let our kids know that we will be with them in their feelings and that we love them. Sadness can be a teachable moment. But sadness can also not be a teachable moment and shouldn't be a teachable moment. And we need to fight the urge to always turn sadness into a teachable moment. My kids' emotions are not first an opportunity for me to have a teachable moment with them. It might sound like this. If I am making maybe the choice that I shouldn't make, it might sound like this. If you had been kinder to your friends, you wouldn't be sad and lonely right now. Not helpful when your kid is sad. Or I think I said this to my kids quite a bit. Uh, maybe the when kids were mean to them. So like, kids are mean to them, they're sad about it. My favorite thing to say was, well, maybe their home life is rough, and that's why they're mean. Kids don't care why kids are being mean to them, they just don't like it when kids are mean to them. Sheesh. Or another one that I really struggle with is, have you ever told someone they shouldn't feel a certain way? I do this to my husband all the time. I find myself saying, Well, you shouldn't feel that way about this particular issue. Really? Anybody else? Do you ever find yourself telling people they shouldn't feel a certain way and then trying to explain to them why that feeling isn't the right feeling for them to have? We do it to our kids all the time, right? Uh, You shouldn't feel bad about losing that soccer game because you scored two goals. Or don't be mad at your sister. She's your sister. Or, um, you know, we do it all over the place. So we just have to remember that sadness isn't always a teachable moment. And when we honor, allow, and recognize our kids, our husbands, our wives' emotions, and sit with them in their feelings, they won't feel like a problem to solve. They won't feel alone or isolated or outcast in their own family just because they're feeling sad. They won't feel like every time they're sad, we're going to try to teach them some kind of life lesson. Sometimes sadness is not a teachable moment. It's just a moment of sadness. So can we practice just being with people when they're sad? And we're going to need to practice because we will make some mistakes, and this especially with our kids. We need to be prepared to sit in the uncertainty and the discomfort of our kids' emotions. This is really tough. Family and feelings are not for the weak of heart. This is what the Apostle Paul wants people who follow Jesus to remember. This is how he wants them to live. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So may all of you, fellow emotional robots, allow sadness out of the sadness circle. And may we all have the courage to invite our sadness in for a minute or an hour. And may that love And acceptance and peace and power and understanding that we gain from God Almighty, our Father in heaven, wash through us, and then may we let it flow out of us to the people around us. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, your creation just blows our minds. The way you made our bodies. And you, you put this perfect balance of these elements that some of us understand better than others. The way you care for our body. Would it help us to understand that you also care for our heart and our mind and all of the emotions that we experience as we move through this life? So we want to invite the feeling of sadness in as we worship these next couple of songs. Uh, would you bring some people to mind? We pray for all of our friends who are battling illness and injury. We pray for people at the border who are afraid and desperate and need love and care. We pray that you would move your people. We pray for uh, those who are feeling desperate in our midst. Those who are feeling like outcasts either in their family or they just don't see a clear picture for the days ahead we pray that your power and your presence and your love and your compassion and your mercy God would flow over us and God would you open our hearts just a little bit more to that love you have for us that gentle care you have for us and open our hearts up to your healing and your restoration and your renewal so that we can be a breath of hope even when we're sad to the people around us. We believe you have that kind of power to move in us. Thank you for your love. Thank thank you for, we're so thankful for your son who's the model of all things when it comes to being human. So we pray this in the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.